one. All right, welcome to another edition of the White Collar Crimes Podcast. I am the host, Ryan Horn, but not the only host that's going to be on this one, because as I told you before, we have a very special guest that's aboard. You remember back about five or six months ago, we did the podcast on Steve Commissar, the guy that came up with the solar clothesline scam. He contacted me after hearing it, and we had a really nice conversation. Talked to him for quite a while and been in contact with him a lot ever since, and he is more than glad to be on the podcast here, and I'm more than glad to have him aboard here. Very excited about this, and I am glad to give a white-collar crimes welcome to the Don of Khan himself. Steve, how are you? I am great. Thank you for having me on the show. I've been looking forward to this all week. And as have we. So, first question I think I had, and, and I'm sure most of the viewers or listeners have as well, and, and also, you know, Steve has a podcast of his own that we'll get into here in just a little bit as well. But I think this is the first question. That's a was a very creative scam because, as I said, and for those of you listening for the first time, this was a, a scam that was done back in the 1980s uh, where he offered, I believe it was the solar-powered clothes dryer. And, and what people got in the end was a clothesline. And very creative because technically you're not lying. I mean, it is... A clothesline is a solar-powered clothes dryer in a sense, but how did you get the idea for that? Well, I was looking in different magazines and comic books and things because I'm over 50 years old. So back in my day, people actually advertised things on paper in magazines, comic books. And if you'd ever look in the back of comic books, they'd have all kinds of little things like that. Um, they didn't have the solar-powered clothes dryer, but they had get the copper hand etched engraving of president lincoln and you'd get like a a penny or something and they were different types of misleading things but they cost like a dollar or two dollars yeah i think i did did a podcast on those here a while back like the x-ray glasses and things like that that they sold in the comic books to rip off basically kids right exactly and i was one of them i have a set of the x-ray glasses i still have them somewhere of course they don't really x-ray but the solar-powered clothes dryer, it was advertised as a scientifically proven space-age method of drying clothes using only the power of the sun. And I got the idea from just other magazines, and I figured, wow, if I could get people to order this, then I could make myself a lot of money. And as we talk a little more about it, I'll tell you something funny that happened when the money started to roll in. But it was just an idea that pops into my head. No one ever told me to do it or suggested it to me. I just invented it myself. Just So getting a little creative, I can remember too, there was one I think uh, that was similar to that where they had a something about it promised about an insect killer or repellent and what people got was a rolled up newspaper to swat the flies away. Again, probably in a legal sense, maybe not completely lying or honest, dishonest, but so once you made money off that, was it more enticing to go a little further and try something else of that same scheme and magnitude? Well, it was very enticing. I'll tell you what happened. Um, I put the ma- I put advertisements in all of these different magazines, Playboy magazine, uh, Newsweek, just really big magazines. And that was a scam in itself paying for the ads because back in those days they had what was called a purchase order where you basically placed an ad and they'd send you an invoice in the mail after the ad was already running. So even if they didn't get paid, you couldn't take back the advertisement. 
And so I got a lot of free advertising and these magazines reached millions and millions of people. So I waited, nothing happened. I went to my PO box, looked in the box and wow, there was nothing in there. And it was like a month later. So I was really depressed. So as I was walking out to my car, the guy who managed the PO box store ran outside and said, uh, Charlie, Charlie, come back in here. You know, I, I, I need to talk to you. You have some mail, pull your car around in the back on the loading dock. So I went around the back of the store in the loading dock and he pulled a wheeled cart over with a huge mail bag in it. it must have weighed 20 or 30 pounds. And these were all checks for solar powered clothes dryers for $49.95. There were literally hundreds and hundreds of these checks. And the guy said, hey, I didn't uh, put him in the uh, box. It wasn't enough room. I thought I'd just keep him back there for you. And I said, hey, great. So I lifted this big sack and put it in my car. And as I left to leave, he goes, no, Charlie, wait, there's two more bags just like this. Wow. So once that came in, so that, I guess, gave you a little bit of excitement, a little bit of incentive to maybe, hey, I could do this again. Wow. It made me really excited because I don't know how much money was made because there were so many checks. I was sitting in my apartment and on the living room floor, there were enough checks to cover the whole carpet, safely over a million dollars. And I was going to run the ad again one more time, but of course I didn't pay for the ad. So I wasn't welcome to advertise in these publications anymore. But yeah, I was thinking of doing something else, but this mail order thing really wasn't my style because I was trained in the telemarketing, selling toner and contests and all the things that I talk about on my website, Scam Junkie. And basically from that point on, I wanted to do something where instead of getting $49.95 from a thousand people, I can contact one person, one wealthy person, an investor maybe, and get a huge amount of money from each one, like 50 or a hundred thousand. That is what my goal was. And you know, I've, the question I wanted to ask, and I think some of the viewers or the listeners might be interested in hearing as well, I've heard this a lot because, you know, again, we've been on opposite ends of the spectrum. You've been on the actual side of the white collar crime. I've been on the law enforcement side of it, but I've heard a lot of them say that once they made some dishonest money, a really quick buck, and sometimes, especially when it's a lot of money, honest money becomes a lot less appealing. Was that true in your case? Well, it's not whether honest money was appealing or not. It's that honest money was harder to make than dishonest money. Dishonest money was very, very easy. But what comes along with that is the risk of getting caught and going to prison, which eventually happened to me, not with the solar powered clothes dryer scam, but with later on investment scams I perpetrated. But yeah, that's the whole gist of it right there getting something for nothing and to be able to place an ad in a magazine and just kick back and let the checks roll in or to call someone on the telephone and for a 20 minute phone call make $50,000. I can't think of anything else that I could do to make money that much easier. I do have a background in acting. I was an actor since I was a child and I would right. pretty much have to be cast in the leading role in a movie to make that type of money that quickly. Yes, and that's that's something that I think doesn't that's an incentive for a lot of these white collar criminals is just the quick, easy buck. It's it's a lot of times, you know, it's human nature. A lot of times we just want to the path of least resistance. A lot of times is what we want to travel. And I think that's oftentimes the many that the incentive is for them is just to make that quick, easy buck. And as I've heard some of them say, once I've made that, 
as you said, that it's a little harder to make this kind of money legitimately and whatnot. So it's just easier to go that path. That's the mentality that goes into uh, the logic behind this. Right. And as you do it a few times and you don't get caught, you seem to develop this like plate of armor around you that you're bulletproof and you're not going to get caught, which is a total false feeling to have because I don't know any con man who's ever perpetrated any type of a scam that didn't get caught doing it. There's nobody out there that can keep doing it forever. Just like there's no horse that can keep winning every single race. There's no boxer that can win all of his fights. Right. Nobody goes on forever. Same thing with the con man. But these were not scams I wanted to perpetrate. Most con men out there, if you think about it, they're not sitting in an office in Beverly Hills talking to investors like a broker. They're in a boiler room or they're on the street doing the three card money or they're stealing credit cards and making purchases on other people's accounts. It's more of a lower class type of thing. That's your con in general out there now. The type of stuff I was doing, it was a more sophisticated type of con than what there's out there today. I would never take anyone's credit cards and I would not um, do a three card money out on the street. And that's why I thought for my podcast, Scam Junkie, it would be good to actually demonstrate a lot of these scams and show how they're done so people do not fall victim to them. Yes, and as we mentioned, Steve's podcast is also on Spotify for podcasters, and it is called Scam Junkie. I've listened to it prior to when I contacted Steve back after he contacted me and really enjoyed it. Very educational, and I think uh, it's good to get that kind of perspective. And I I think uh, there's a lot of tips that can be learned from it. As I said, I'm working on a book right now, and it would uh, it's also on ways to kind of spot scammers and some scams and things that are out there. And uh, education a lot is a key because you and I were talking about this privately. Any one of us at any time can be scammed. I've been scammed. You have been. Uh, like I said, my wife and I, I mentioned this a while back on the podcast about the Zeke rewards. It was a penny scams uh our penny stock scam that was out there. We didn't lose a you know whole lot of money, didn't break us or anything like that, but it certainly was frustrated to be uh, scammed. And they had a receivership that came in and we did get back a little bit of what we lost, but not all of it. And it's, uh, it's a wake-up call when you get scammed. And I think it can happen whether you're on the law side or even on your side, you mentioned you, you yourself have been scammed. I've been scammed a lot. You know, they have a saying, I was telling you this the other day, that the con man is the easiest person to get scammed. I've been scammed. I'm just like any other person. And there are basically three reasons why a person falls victim to any type of scam. And one is because of greed. That's the number one reason why we fall victim to scams, whether you're the chief of police or whether you're the lowliest inmate in a prison. It's greed. We want to get something for nothing. The other two reasons why people get scammed the easiest is they want to be a hero. They want to be a part of something big that goes for all the charity scams and things like that. Right. And then, of course, um, you have the people that are lonely. Loneliness is the third reason. That's why you have these uh, women out there. They have these relationships online with scam artists and they end up sending them money, but they're just doing it because they're lonely. So loneliness to help out to be a hero and greed will get you every time, regardless what you do for a living. Yeah, and that's kind of led into what the next question I was going to ask, or what are some of the common schemes that you see the public continually fall for? I watch the news every day, and I will tell you one thing. Right now, lottery scams are at an all-time high. 
you see advertised websites where you can buy lottery tickets at a discount. So instead of paying a dollar for a ticket, you'll get them for 50 cents. But the only way to get a real lottery ticket is to go on the go to the counter at 7-Eleven or AMPM and actually buy the ticket from a reputable dealer. Right, You're not going to go to a website. Right. Like the California lottery website or the Ohio lottery website. They're not going to advertise online to sell tickets. And the thing is, lottery is so prevalent. I was on Amazon just to buy a few. I buy my cat food and stuff on Amazon at a discount. And I noticed on there, it said lottery tickets, winning tickets for sale. So I ordered some. They actually sell scratcher tickets that look exactly like the real ones. When you scratch them off, they say you've won $25,000, but they're absolutely fake. So, and you can get that on Amazon, which is the largest retail website in the world. And they're just selling stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it is amazing. And that's, I think there's even like near where I live here in the Southern part of Illinois, there's a pretty good sized casino for this area that just opened up and I've wondered how long it's going to be till there's certain types of frauds and scams that are perpetrated from that casino absolutely what's going to happen is first of all with the casino you have the type of people that buy casinos and run them these are a type of people that are going to look for ways to launder their money so they don't have to pay taxes you're going to attract that element you're going to attract a lot of um, drug dealers there's a lot of um methamphetamine abuse going on in your area as well as mine and people like to launder money through casinos and it just brings out prostitution it brings out fraud and it's not going to be long at all if it's not already started wherever you have money there you will find the con man oh very good you should uh (laughs) you should coin that phrase that's uh very good uh, point of view. And, you know, something else I was wondering, because I, I spent a lot of time in corrections before I was a probation officer, as I've told the viewers before, the listeners before, I was a correctional officer for about 13 or 14 years before I ended up on the probation side of things. And I can tell you for a fact, people learn bad habits in jail or prison. It's, you know, we always used to talk about this before. It's not surprising if you put a bunch of mechanics in a room together and lock them up, they're going to talk about cars. So, did you yourself learn any new scam techniques or anything while you were doing time? Actually, I didn't learn anything because the type of people that I was with in prison, as you know, if you were a correctional officer, uh, these aren't people that would do the sophisticated type of scams that I was looking to do. There were a lot of people in there that did credit card fraud. They did uh, that a mortgage type of fraud. They did those type of things that I already know all about that I wouldn't ever do. But I did run into some people that did the same type of scams that I did. I ran into one guy I became good friends with. His name was Richard, and he had a boiler room. He was selling some type of investment, no criminal record at all. And for his first conviction ever in the federal system, he received a 31-year prison sentence. He lost all of his appeals. He lost his wife and kids. And... It's basically a brutal situation out there. But no, I didn't learn anything from the guys in prison. No, I didn't. By the way, did the guys call you CO when you were a correctional officer? Yeah, most of the time that was the short that they have of it. I learned some of the vernacular on that. I've learned that uh, some of uh, our colleagues in Australia, and we have some listeners from there. I think the common title for a correctional officer in Australia was a screw is what I learned that they call them. Right. Yeah, well, we were. Yeah, right. In like London, England, they call them 
a screw. They call them um, CO when the correctional officer was walking by. They'd all say five O. Right. They have their own little um, vocabulary because remember, the inmates in prison. Some of them are there forever, and they live there. That's their home. And I was just passing through, and I wanted to get out as quickly as possible. But yeah, I got to hand it to you. That's a tough job being a corrections officer. I've seen a lot of them get injured and assaulted, and um, it's a very important job, and it has to be done well, and it involves a lot of trust. But um, yeah, I remember it well. Yeah, and it it does. Sadly, I've covered this in in so much not on this podcast because this covers white collar crime, but I do, as I said, some adjunct work and teach at little some colleges in the area where I live and it's no mis, uh, no uh, disputed fact that corrections officers have very high rates of divorce and uh, you know a lot of other blood pressure issues things like that it is an extremely stressful job and uh, having done it for a while I can certainly say yeah my hat's off to those that are still doing it and it's uh it's certainly not an easy job at any you know whatever facility you're at and I think you know one of the biggest misconceptions people have is that well, white collar criminal, you you did time in probably some resort, minimum security, this and that. But what a lot of people understand, minimum security prison is still tough, and uh, it's not a picnic. Am I correct? You are correct, one hundred percent. It doesn't matter if there's a fence on the outside or not. Uh, the security level is just based on what kind of crime you have. It's not based on what kind of person you are. If a straight up killer committed a white collar crime and went to a low level prison because he has no record. And you still got a dangerous man in a white collar, low level prison, the same as if he would be in a penitentiary type setting. So it's a very, very tough job for a CO because you have your COs that are good and you have your COs that are bad. Some correctional officers bring in all the drugs and cell phones and illegal things that the inmates use in prison and it makes all the good COs, it gives them a bad name. And some of them are very, uh, they act really tough, just like police officers. They got a big ego. They think they can kick everyone's ass and then they're in a prison. But what they don't realize is they're locked in there with the inmates too. And if the inmates decide they're going to do something to the CO, they're not carrying guns. When they hit that panic button on their body alarm, it's going to take at least 30 or 60 seconds for the troops to come running in and someone could do a lot of damage to someone so i gotta hand it to you you had a very dangerous job and you came out of it well and you're doing an even better job here well thank you and we like doing that and and we've got all kinds of stuff in the works steve and i have some other projects coming along the line this episode will be called the cop and the con man or the con man and the cop and there may be more coming on that down the road we will be collaborating much more there'll be more on that down the road and as i've said other cool stuff going on i am announcing we are getting a YouTube channel together for this podcast that will have updates. And as I said, follow, you can check out our Facebook page for updates. Uh, the Ryan Horn da- or Ryan-Horn.com for some of the voiceover audio book stuff that we've got going on. And as I said, a book is coming out. I mean, tons of stuff going on. So uh, I've never been more excited about this podcast than right now. And and like I said, I've, I'm thrilled to have a guest that can give completely different perspective for the listeners on my side they get things from kind of an educational standpoint and again the law and order standpoint but i think sometimes it's just good to flat out hear from somebody that has done it i think that's why i've talked to some of the clients i have on probation and you've probably seen this 
when you were in prison, some of the best counselors for drug addicts and, and inmates and things like that are former inmates and addicts and whatnot because they have some type of way they can relate to whom they're speaking to. And this is what I was excited about having you aboard because you can give a perspective that I'm not able to give to this this theory. And you and I, we, we've talked about that. We are pretty much the main ones talking about this topic. Everybody's on podcast talking about serial killers and blood and guts and violent crime but this is the most in my opinion ignored faction of the crime world there is and that's white collar crime well let me tell you this and i would like to tell your listeners something that i know from firsthand and that is i've spent a whole day maybe eight hours just listening to all of the white collar true crime podcasts that are out there there's literally hundreds of them most of them fold up after about a month or two because they're not making any money they're not getting subscribers because like you said these are people having a white collar podcast but they're just talking about what other people are doing they're talking about um oh let's talk about uh this guy over here that did identity theft they're not talking about anything personal the only true crime white collar podcasts that are interesting out there are mine of course scam junkie from the point of view from a professional con man and your podcast ryan white collar crimes from the law enforcement perspective regardless of the perspective they're the only two podcasts out there that you really want to sit there and listen to you want to subscribe when you go on there and there's not another new episode on there right away you get upset because you want to hear more these are the two main ones i was talking to someone the other day the number one crime podcast in general it's called crime junkie and these women that host the show are literally making millions of dollars every month in fact in 2022 they were rated the best podcast of any genre they're the number one podcast ever beating even joe rogan and wow. some of the other ones and these women sit there and like you said they talk about the green river killer or they talk about well they found a woman's body in wyoming let's talk about that it's like a nancy grace approach and if you want to listen to that kind of stuff, watch Dateline NBC. If you want to know about white collar crime, if you want to hear about it, if you want to know about all the crimes prevalent today, if you want to know how to protect yourself, if you want to hear anecdotes and things like that of what the con man and the cop are doing, these are the two podcasts you should go to and definitely check them out and tell me if I'm right or not. No, you're absolutely right. And that's the thing that it's and all you know it's it's a subject matter that again i don't think it gets anywhere near the attention it needs anywhere near street crime street crime by far gets the more media attention even though a lot of people who are harmed by white collar crimes are harmed for longer periods of time than people i mean if you get in a bar fight and some guy punches you and you know maybe you get a bloody nose or broken nose or something but you can be healed up in days weeks or less whatever you get somebody like Bernie Madoff that rips off your entire life savings and everything you've ever worked for your whole life, you're done for the years on end, maybe the rest of your life. That's absolutely true. But you also got to look at the other side of it. Bernie Madoff didn't break into your house and tie you up and force you to write a check. People invested with Bernie Madoff for the most part because he told them they were going to make a fortune overnight and they were going to get something for nothing and their greed took over their common sense and that's why they invested. But true, yeah, it destroyed most people's bank accounts, their kids' college funds, and they never recovered from that. That's why on my show and your show, we talk about these things so 
if you listen to a few episodes and you go out there and let someone scam you, now you've got nobody to blame but yourself, really, because you've been educated and you've been educated in the best way from one end of the spectrum all the way down to the other. That's why I was talking to you the other day. I have a buddy that's a really big guy over at Spotify in the executive corporate office. And he said, man, if you had a podcast and called it the con man and the cop and you had the hosts, one's a real con man and one's a real law enforcement guy, that would make millions of dollars and be great. So hopefully we'll be able to put something together think, with that. And that's in the works, folks. We are uh, discussing that and that's a really good possibility on that. For those of you that are listening that are Steve's regular listeners or mine, we are getting that together because we think it would be very good to have both perspectives brought out every week and it's just so much that does need to be brought out because as i said so many people are victimized and you mentioned greed being a motive for it and a lot of times you mentioned a good point there he bernie madoff didn't break into the house and that's one of the other key things that differs from white collar crime when you i mean did you personally know the people personally you ripped off like again the guy that gets with you in a bar fight most likely he's going to know you or be an acquaintance but the one thing that's different about white collar crime from all other crimes is people don't know who's victimizing them and a lot of times they don't even know they have been victimized till quite a ways down the road that is true i've met people in prison that victimized their wives their wives family their kids everyone they knew in their whole neighborhood they just stole from everyone i have not met anybody that i took money from it was all done over the phone through investment scams mostly i haven't met them and if i did i wouldn't have been able to do it um i would not take money from someone that i knew and if i've even seen them it would be hard for me to do it so yeah in 30 years the type of scams that i have done i have not met anybody or known them personally whose money i have taken until maybe afterward you know there's people that have followed me you know if you listen to some of my episodes you'll see where my life's been put in danger a lot of times people have followed me people tried to find me when they realized they were scammed later and those crimes out on the street the ones you're talking about the more low level cons and scams these people will take money from anyone cuz they're right in front of them you see a, a wife that a woman and she's got her kids and groceries and you're going to do a three card money on her and scam her out of 20 bucks that's just pure cruel. Yep. Now would you say speaking of the way technology is now, do you think technology is going to make it easier for white collar criminals to do their thing say as back in the day you mentioned a good point back when you got the clothesline scam that was back when we advertised in newspapers and magazines and everything was hard copy on paper. Do you think with the technology we have now it is going to get easier for white collar criminals to commit these crimes? Well, let's look at it this way. Before the internet, it was a lot harder to reach people and get names of people to contact. For example, in my business where I was conning people to sell them investments over the telephone, what happened was in order to find out who these people are, we had to buy leads. We had to contact people who had boiler rooms and were going out of business. We had to find people who were selling leads so we can contact these people. Now there's the internet. You can type in investor leads, uh multimillionaires in the city of Chicago and they will print out a specialized list. That's only possible now because of the technology 
and the internet. I would say number one, it's easier to pull certain kind of scams because of the technology that can get you to find out about any type of person out there that you want to. And the other side of it is the punishments now. Oh my God! If you look at the federal sentencing guidelines. That's where the judge's hands are pretty much tied, based on the amount of money you've taken from someone and your criminal record. They have to follow a chart and sentence you accordingly, unless there's a reason, an exceptional reason, why to go higher or lower. And those punishments are not a little slap on the wrist. You could do a fraud for the first time for ten thousand dollars and wind up in jail for five years. Also, as far as the technology goes, we were talking about like lottery scams and the internet. I've seen emails and I've seen things that are so good that you would not even be able to tell the difference between the website for the person that's really owns the company and for the one the con artist created to trick you into believing it's the company. There's some really good stuff out there, and it's really difficult to tell the difference. So that's a double-edged sword. So we got probably a little bit, maybe a little around ten minutes left on this one, and we'll be having you back. And like I said, folks, we are looking at combining these podcasts and have the cop and the con man, and and each week discuss all these things from both perspectives and and really try to educate the public. But while the time we have left, I did want to give you a chance to tell the audience about what you're doing on your reform efforts to try to. Make wrong, make right the wrongs of the past, and educate the public, and all that. So, what are the things you're doing now? I know you've been on the View and some other shows, educating people.、Uh, what all do you have going on, and kind of what inspired you to go that route? Oh boy, we could talk for an hour alone just about that. But in a <laughs> nutshell, I've gone on the View, Dateline, NBC. I've gone on all kinds of news magazine shows, talk shows. And I've demonstrated live scams on the studio audiences. I've written a book called America's Guide to Fraud Prevention, which is written under my real name, Steve Commissar, or maybe Brett Champion. I don't know. I use both names. I am doing this because I don't want to go to prison anymore. I went to prison the first time. I didn't learn, and I went back to prison again. I've got a very good friend,、uh, Barry Minko, who's a famous con man. Also, yeah, we did a podcast on him. Yeah, same thing with him. He got out and he reoffended again, and now he's out again. What I'm trying to do is my goal right now, and maybe if your listeners and my listeners could write in or email in, or I don't know how they can contact you, but have them tell us what they think of the idea. Of a、uh, podcast called "The Con Man and the Cop," where it's both of us together on one show, rather than separate shows, and combining our efforts to—I think we could help a lot more people, and I think it would be more popular. And there's nothing like that out there whatsoever. There never has been. And this is funny. I was approached years back when Casey Anthony was out there. That's the young lady who killed her daughter, I guess, and she.、Yep. In Florida, attractive young lady. They wanted to do something called Casey and the Con. It was like a reality show where they would follow us around and just a, like a Kardashians type of thing with no brains to it at all, just a light, a light、uh, reality series. And she decided she didn't want to do it. But something like this, this is great because you're an expert in your field. I'm an expert in my field, and just think what we could do together. There would be no Stopping us, 
And I would like to hear from you on that, folks. You can always, as I mentioned on this podcast, you can email me at ryanhornvt at gmail.com. Would love to hear the feedback on that because uh, this is something we've got in the works and we do think this could be very big and, and really we would like to combine the audiences. We were both, uh, the only, as I said, really the only two really legitimate podcasts out there on this subject. So we would like to combine them into one and get this going. And again, send me the ideas on that. And this can be also whether you're a listener to my podcast or you're a listener to Steve's. And be sure and follow both of us on Spotify. Help us grow our audiences. And then we can hopefully combine these two and, and make it an even bigger thing because education is the key. Despite the digital age we live in where information is everywhere, I mean, you, you and I would probably agree the public is still quite behind the curve on being educated on scams and white collar crimes. The public is asleep right now, and it's our job to wake them up. And incidentally, if any of your listeners out there would like to subscribe to Scam Junkie, look us up on Spotify. Uh, You'll get a free Scam Junkie t-shirt with every subscription until we join our forces together. And I'm sure we'll have some nice stuff to give away there too. And I'm really, really excited going forward with this because the bottom line is we will be helping millions of people out there. And that is really at the end of the day, that's a good thing. Absolutely. And we are excited about that. And like I said, there's a YouTube channel going and I'm finishing up a short book and I'd like to get a little short series. And maybe that's where you and I will team up on that some too. I'd like to get out a series of short books to kind of educate, not from an academic because I've been on that end of it, but I would like to really educate the public in just simple layman's terms about white collar crime. Well, that's what we're both doing. Uh, You're doing it on your end. I'm doing it on my end and I think with examples like how I actually do the scams on the studio audiences of the shows incidentally on my YouTube channel you can see me perpetrating scams on a whole variety of TV shows all the way back to Sally Jesse Raphael and Lisa and you see yeah I got Dateline on there I got The View and I've also got some TV specials I did for CBS on fraud a lot of good stuff on there and I think the future is going to be really, really bright for both of us. And it's going to be bright for the public, too, because pretty soon the levels of people getting victimized by fraud will drop because of them being educated. Could not agree more. And we will definitely be having you back. And like I said, folks, stay tuned. We are in the works of getting these podcasts combined to amp up our efforts on that. And we thank all of you. And for tuning in, but we most importantly, Steve, want to thank you for taking time to come on here and speak with me and and to help educate my listeners and and bringing your listeners aboard and, and helping grow this effort because we uh, that's what it's all about. And as I've said at the end of a lot of these podcasts, watch out for your friends and family, especially the elderly, because they are often the targets of these scams more than anybody. And uh, just watch out for yourself because it can happen to any of you. I've been scammed, Steve has, and and on and on. And I'd say a good chunk of you listening out there have in some way, form, or other. So stay tuned, folks. We have all kinds of stuff doing. So, Steve, we got about a minute or two left here. Any final thoughts for our listeners? Just be very careful out there. Remember, you've heard this before. If it sounds too good to be true... I don't have to tell you, it's going to be too good to be true. Listen to our shows until we combine them into the con man and the cop. Listen to them, follow the advice, be entertained, be educated, 
and it was great being on your show, Ryan. I look forward to doing a lot of good stuff together. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, Steve. Thank you. And again, thank you for being with us. We will be back again next week. And as I said, continue to follow us because right now we have some very amazing things and developments going on and stay tuned for more of them. As you said, YouTube channel and books and teaming up with Steve and, and all kinds of things. So we were glad to have you a part of that. And Steve, again, thank you for being a part of this. And we are very much looking forward to the next adventure. So God bless and take care, everybody. We will see you next time.